Hey everyone, this is Socratic Hobbits, a podcast where Kyle Morse and me, Daniel Hayward, try to ask big questions and then answer them. Sometimes we stay on topic. Thanks for listening. When did you come out of the closet? Just today. Just today, you get you got your your podcast set up outside of the closet. Oh, all I had to do was move the mic. Oh, well, on the computer, but that's probably pretty easy to. Move. No, the computer I already had out here. I've got a standing desk out here, although I'm sitting right now. Are you on your um, Swiss ball? Yep. Always. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, how you doing? I'm getting some really cool sermons on Exodus at church, like uh. Okay. Exodus 24, it's it's where the elders of Israel go up and see God. and Is it where they're like afraid of Moses? Because he's... No, that's known. a different part. Okay. But he was pointing out how this is, in a sense, the first recorded worship service in Scripture. Huh. Because it's the first time you have God calling, and then you have people sacrificing or confessing sin, and then going up together to hear the law, hear the word of God and have it explained. And then um, going up and eating a meal together in the presence of God. Hmm. In that sense, there aren't very many recorded services in the Bible or worship. What did you call it? Yeah. Worship service. Worship service. There aren't very many. There's probably seven. I would say less than 10, more than, more than two. Right. Right, because you've got Solomon, you've got Nehemiah, you've got, I guess it depends on how much how much detail, because you have multiple times throughout kings, you have different kings like Josiah calling for a public reading of the, uh, the assembly of the people and the public reading of the word and the explanation of the word. Are there any during Jesus' ministry? I feel like there's kind of one, there's a meeting of the, uh, not the apostles, but meeting, the meeting of everybody after Jesus dies, like shortly thereafter, at the beginning of Acts. Right. You don't have, you don't have anything in the, in the temple per se, but you do have Jesus explaining scripture in the synagogue. Oh, well, and then also there's like the whole Beatitudes and there's there's lots of sermons by Jesus. Yeah, because you have him... Yeah, the people coming, and then him explaining the word of God, and then you even have him feeding the people. Mm. So, so you've got the call to worship, preaching, and communion. That's that's a significant. So, would you say breaking bread is an important part of the of a worship service? I mean, that does seem to be the pattern set down in Acts, right? Mm. Yeah, you have the. The people, the people coming together, um, praying together, continuing in the apostles' teaching, and breaking bread together. Well, and even as you were talking about the first worship service, you mentioned eating a meal together, right? As, as a as the the end of it, there is something about eating a meal with someone that's just in general. It's like a you know completely separate from a worship service is just I don't know special or. It's connecting in some way. It's it's very. It's like God designed us in a certain way. Yeah, 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 almost, almost. Yeah, I kind of got a wild hair. This is not related to what we were talking about just now, but um, I was like, you know, how how difficult is it to set up this uh this little link that we can just put at the end of end of our podcast that yeah. That makes it so it's like there's like two or three different levels. Um, one's two dollars, five dollars, and then ten dollars a okay. month. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't really think we're gonna get any. Like, I don't know. We'll just see, right? Yeah. You really, we really need like, um, ten people at two dollars a month would pay for the website. Pay for the website, and if we had ten more, then um, we would be able to do like actual automatic um transcripts transcripts which would be nice not that we absolutely need those i've got (laughs) i've got one that's like we ran that test right yeah we did 
I mean, uh, yeah, I never really followed up with it, but I just like just at a glance, it didn't really do anything. And so I was like, well, mm, mm, not really worth it. Did you have a chance to listen to the argument we had? I have not yet. I actually remembered it today and then I thought, well, maybe that wouldn't be the best thing to listen to right before. I've listened to it three times. It doesn't make me like you any less. So uh, I, I think that I think that maybe I reacted more emotionally than you it, or it made a bigger impression on me at, at least. That's that's how it felt to me. Yeah, I think I think it was because. Yeah, um, a kind of I don't know if I want to say wound, um, but a sore spot anyway, is that I like when somebody is it's obvious to me that somebody hasn't understood me. Right. And then they. Which was the case there. It was the case there. And it was like, you're having some feelings stronger, uh, stronger than usual. I'll say for you where you're like, Daniel, I, you know, it's a, you're basically like, I really don't want you to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater as far as all these, uh, all these giants that we, you know, that we stand on. And I was, you know, I was like, I just wanted you to hear me and eventually it was like I just you were just impassioned about that and you and it was like just let me talk and yeah and that that like I need to like I need you to hear me that's (laughs) really like that there's like it quickly goes from like cool as a cucumber to not and um, and I think that's what happened there so, and then it takes you a while to wind down. It it did. It really did. I had a, like, there was quite a bit I cut from the second half of that podcast, that episode. Okay. Because... So this is an edited. Oh yeah. 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 So we actually have quite a few episodes ready. To... It's like, it's like we were still recording this summer, but I wasn't posting anything. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I was thinking, oh man, like I really wanted to at least make it to 20, but like <laughs> we, we keep it, we keep I, I didn't realize we already had recorded 20. Oh, like, we're at 20. Ago. This is 23. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, is sweet. Yeah. And then I wrote down some questions and then left them on my work computer and didn't like email them to myself or anything. Um, what about the PDF? Oh, yeah. We could talk about that. I even have it right here. Uh, do you do you have do you have some notes that you want to talk about? I don't have any notes. I did pull up the, the article. That's fine. And I've, I mean, I've, I haven't thought about, about it a lot. I, I've shared it with a few friends who I thought. So did you like it then? In general, yes. Honestly, I'm curious what your perspective was on it and. My progressive perspective? Not necessarily progressive perspective, but just <laughs> what your perspective is. Because I've asked a few people who are more similar to you in the sense that they're they're more cautious when it comes to to the theonomic side yeah so can you uh okay so there's a few things i want to do that make this a little bit easier to listen to um one can you say that word once more slowly and then explain it theonomics theonomy theonomy okay so so you have theo or theos god and then nomos which is law so it's the application of god's law to civil law oh that's interesting Okay, the application of God's law to civil law. So when people talk about a Christian society, Christendom, when they talk about America as a Christian society, they kind of mean theonomy? It depends. (laughs) Um, Theonomy has a very large breadth to it, as you might imagine, Mm -hmm. because there are naturally questions about what parts of God's law get applied and how far out does the law get spread? Um, like, like, do we go back? You, you have people who will say, go back to do what Alfred did and just take the Mosaic law and apply it whole cloth to your society. Who's Alfred? Alfred was a king of England in like the, I think before, it, it was before the Norman invasion. Oh, yeah, yeah.
I just mean I that's there's no like I just don't have any um context for Al- King Alfred. So there there's a I think there's a famous painting of Alfred and the Dragon. Hmm. So so he was a king of England at the time when like the the Danes and the Swedes were invading England. And so he was defending England from the Norse invaders. So this is like 13, 14, kind of then? Um, before then, because by the 13 or 1400s, you're into the Hundred Years' War. Is 1300s kind of the end of um, Norman invasion? Norman invasion was 1100, 1060, something like that. Oh, hmm. okay. Which is where you get, I mean, this is a total tangent, but that's where you get the Hundred Years' War from, right? Because you have the Norman kings still had lineage in France. And so they were trying to assert their dominion in France through the Hundred Years' War. Yeah, I have I have basically studied the last, like, or rather my interest has been, I'm not going to say study, um, the last, like, roughly five-ish hundred years and before that i get real fuzzy real quickly and then i'm somewhat familiar with um rome so like 500 to 500 essentially basically you're an american historian let's study the great the most recent great empire and us <laughs> well that was actually i mean just to get so this is a um article by Chris Gordon. I actually don't know who he is. Um, it was shared by uh, the pastor of PCRC on Facebook, which is how I saw this. So PCRC in Vancouver. Yes. That PCRC. So the article title, which I will link to, is called The Christian Response in Revolutionary Times. And there's a few things like in that. Uh, so I'm not going to obviously read the whole thing. But if you, I guess if you're you going to turn it into a Jocko podcast. No, no. Uh, But if I were, it would start off with like, Christianity offers some of the best news in the world. Except he reads it even slower than that. He reads it so slow. Yeah. But he's he's a smart guy too. But I think it's interesting that he's like his turn of phrase in that very first paragraph, the handwriting on the wall. It's like, obviously it's a call to Daniel, but that's Mm -hmm. God talking to a foreign uh, kingdom, a foreign king who is essentially giving the finger to God, right? Like that's what he's doing when he's having the... Yeah, he's he's having a party with the China from the temple. Right. But the handwriting on the wall in this case is to us, right? As Christians. Like he's saying as Christians, we see these things. Right. So it's just like, well, you know, it's just interesting. But I... So... There's two things he says right there. Christianity may become the enemy of the state, the great enemy of the state. And this has caused widespread panic among believers and what they should do to combat this vicious assault against their faith. And there are places in the world where people are being actively persecuted in a, like, not a, I mean, it's very different than the way that Christians are being persecuted feels like the wrong word so just to hold hold up there i'm pretty sure he's he's speaking future tense here about the vicious assault he says people are looking down down the tunnel and going i see i see train lights Mm -hmm. it's not it's not yet but if you look at things take take for example what biden had on his on his campaign website about speech and the regulation of speech and um there were there were things on there that would make a pastor reading from passages in the bible on homosexuality or or other sins Mm -hmm. um it would be classified as hate speech and prosecuted as as such now that hasn't been enacted as law but that is part of a major party's um, platform to to cam- campaign on in this most recent election. And that's why I say it's not here yet, but people do see – I would say I, I agree with his point here that um, something seems to be coming down the pipe 
for Christians in the U.S.? I'm not something is coming down the pike, uh, like widespread violent persecution, right? Right. Like that's what he's getting at. It's not a, it's not, we're going to have to figure out how to navigate this new discomfort. Um, it's like violent persecution is kind of what you're talking about or is what he's talking about. Um, right. And so you see that as a real possibility, realistic in the next, I mean, what's the time horizon that you see? Not, not necessarily, uh, this guy's point, which you already said his name and I already forgot. Chris Gordon. Chris Gordon. Okay. Pastor Chris. So Pastor Chris. Um, I'd say within the next 50 years, maybe that's, that's too long of a timeline to be worth much, but yeah, maybe, but barring, barring some, some change in, um, society. Yeah. If the current trends can trends continue next 25 to 50 years, I feel like in that same time horizon, we're more likely, I would say a, a stronger likelihood is that we break up as a country that I was reading a statistic recently that 50% of Democrats and 50% of Republicans agree we should go our separate ways. I have no idea what that would look like, but that, that we're too bifurcated to remain, uh, remain a country any longer. I'll see if I can find it for you. And and it would just be interesting to, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. I've heard enough people talk about seriously talk about civil war that, that doesn't, that statistic doesn't surprise me. I feel, yeah, and I just, of the, like, you know, thousand paths that we could go down, I don't see, uh, I guess I just don't see us, I don't see the government doing that much of a 180 on the First Amendment that quickly, where it would turn to, like... I would agree with you, except for how fast we've done a 180 on homosexuality and 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 sex like really things that used to be viewed as perversion becoming uh upheld and be more than protected actually upheld as virtuous and like lauded are you talking specifically about homosexuality there or are you talking about something else well first homosexuality and then and then transgender rights huh see i i don't really i don't really divide those in my mind much I guess I, I view the one is a change in sexual expression and the other is a change in sexual identity. Hmm. So I view it as a further step. I don't know because I get the pretty distinct impression that people who are gay really strongly identify with that. But they still identify as male or female. Okay. And... I mean, to I don't know. To me, it's just always, I yeah, I've just kind of lumped all that together with like that's sexual sin. It's, uh, like it's going away from God's plan related to, related to sex. So I guess if if you look at sexual sin, like how long it took us to go to like no fault divorce, mm-hmm. and then from no fault divorce to. Or, or let's say let's say first um, abortion and abortion to no fault divorce. That's like twenty years, thirty years, mm-hmm. and then you go from no fault divorce to legalized to 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 civil unions. Okay, and then you go from civil unions to marriage. I don't think the government should have anything to do with marriage in the church anyway. I don't see that as a positive thing. And so I, I, I don't understand what legalizing gay marriages has to do with, I mean, how does it affect you or how does it affect, I don't know. I maybe in this case, I'm particularly libertarian. People who are sinning are going like people who are, are not choosing to live, like not choosing to follow Jesus are going to do things that are not following Jesus. Right, but and and this is where I would fall a bit on the side of not full theonomy, but but some application of God's law to civil law, and and say that in a 
in a society that follows God's design for us, mm-hmm. um, people have the best opportunity for um, human thriving, human flourishing. And so it, it makes sense to me that because the state is an, and then and another angle on this is, is the state does have a say in who has guardianship over, over children. Okay. So here's where I have a really, and this has been a, in the last six months. And so before abortion was legal, before no fault divorce was legal, um, or before there was no fault divorce, however you want to say that before, uh, there's homosexual marriage, transgender rights, all these things. Mm-hmm. There were like, and so it's like, well, so, so what, what year did all that kind of start roughly? Like what was, so did you say no, no fault divorce was kind of the first thing? No, I think, uh, legalized abortion in all at the federal level. Okay. So what year, what was, what year was Roe versus Wade? 1962. Man, what a smart, what a smart guy you are, Kyle. Was it 1962? I don't know. It was sometime in the early 60s. Oh, yeah, yeah. Early 60s. I was thinking 66 in my head, but that I am pulling from, I don't have any other like context around it in my mind right now. So, so you have that. But prior to that, there were, I mean, 1973. Is that what, is that what it is? That's what it is. Well, if it's high or low, then I win. Um, anyway, but prior to that, there was so much mistreatment of specifically black people. Right. And and it was like, people were, people were lynched. People were separate, segregated based on like just on the race. And they were, I mean, there was like so much terrible things that happened to this specific group in what is kind of purportedly a Christian nation where these laws were in place and people had the chance to thrive, but there was whatever huge percentage, like, is it 10 or 20% of the U S is black or was in that, that time. That's kind of the, you know, right. And it's like, they had no chance to thrive. Not really. Like, I don't know if you've read firsthand accounts of people who were involved in the civil rights movement. Well, not just the civil rights movement, but just, but even before that, like what it was like to be black, like you had like Jackie Robinson. Well, Jackie Robinson was around. What wasn't he after the civil rights fifties? Okay. So around that time, um, there, I've just read a few I'm blanking on the guy's name right now. So your point is that there's already been like years of decaying sin in terms of how we in terms of how we treat humans. And so this isn't anything new. Kind of, yeah. And it's like, hey, look at this time where everything was like, everything was bright and pretty. And, and it's like, yeah, but just under, I mean, it says a whitewashed tomb. Like for, it, I, like we pretended to be a Christian nation and maybe we had some ideals that were Christian, but we didn't live it out as a, as a, as a society. Not really. And even as I like, like my wife and I will watch movies from times when supposedly we were more conservative as a nation. Mm-hmm. And it's just as terrible as things, the stuff that's coming out today. Like people are like, oh man, PG 13 used to, or, you know, PG used to be like kind of, kind of okay. And it's like, not really, not if you, I mean, people were really overtly racist and there was like, the sexual jokes were not, were not as in your face, but they were definitely still there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so it's like the kind of moody media that we consumed, the kind of jokes that were or weren't appropriate, the way that we treated people who are different than us. It's like, it was, maybe there was a group of people that could thrive better than they could now, but I don't know that. Is there a difference yeah, yeah, I think I think kind of what you're getting at is there was a lot of overt hypocrisy mm. in in the country. Yeah. If you look at like the 1800s and the 1700s. And even I mean in the in the 1900s like I I don't know that it stopped once we 
Well, the 1900s, you started to see the church liberalize a lot and stop taking, broadly speaking, stop taking the scripture so seriously. Hmm. And, and I think we're reaping the fruit of that today when, where we start to see people go, if this is what Christianity is, why am I wasting my time? Because they're right. Like if, if, Hmm. if Christianity doesn't actually believe in a sovereign God and doesn't actually believe that God has spoken to us through his word, then it is a waste of time. Yeah, sure. If Christ hasn't died and risen from the dead, then we of all people are most to be pitied, as Paul says. Yeah. And and I think that's the change, is, is you go from a period of great hypocrisy, as you've pointed out, to mm-hmm. a period of just non-Christianity. And then the question is, when you get a large enough number of people who are explicitly non-Christian and you have the gospel going out being proclaimed from smaller and smaller enclaves, what generally happens in the societies where Christians are a significant minority? Nothing good for Christians from like a worldly stance. But, you know, when did the church as a as a group kind of thrive the most in history like when did it become a define thrive like when did it grow the most i guess growth is kind of what i'm thinking i like the christian church like explodes under persecution i mean the christian church exploded under the billy graham crusades at a time when there wasn't persecution yeah but we have the i mean we've just been talking about the but there was a lot of hypocrisy. The hypocrisy. I like when I'm talking about the Christian church, I mean like people who love Jesus more than they love their suburban house, like the one I'm sitting in, you know, or the more than the like when I don't know. I, I guess like there's there were there are more Christians today in China than there are in America by a double or triple amount. No, they have a lot more people there, so maybe that's right. part of it. But it's also not allowed there. They're not treated well. And I don't know if there were not that not that we should take, you know, we have a blessing. Maybe it's a blessing. It doesn't feel like it always, but um, to participate in our government. And so, you know, we ought to do what we can to have the most people thrive kind of where you were getting, which I, I think I could be, what I'm saying could be construed as these things are good. And I don't think so. I don't think that, um, having laws that like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's good that Biden specifically wants to uh, outlaw preaching from the Bible. I don't think that's good. I don't think it's good that, um, the like family that, that God has designed for us is being chipped away at or, <laughs> or slashed. Like it's not just a you know, little chip at a time. I don't think abortions are good. I don't like, I don't know. I just want to be, I guess, clear, clear on that point. Right. Right. And and I think that's, I think you're getting at a good point about the hypocrisy that existed in large swaths of America. I, I don't think it was everywhere. Obviously you had Christians involved in like the underground railroad mm-hmm. Christians who could think clearly in America, kind of like uh, William Wilberforce did in Britain mm-hmm. about the horrendous unbiblical practice of, of slavery of mm-hmm. a particular race of people. Yeah. And slaving. Yeah, kidnap, ki- kidnapping to enslave, which, th- I mean, that was going back to the Levitical, the Mosaic law, that was, there was a death penalty for that. Yeah, there was, I was, I don't remember where I was listening to this, but it was like, there's all these death penalties in the Bible and they almost never got followed, was what somebody was saying. I don't know if that's true or not, though. I'm going to cut that out because that's not... I can't remember if it was Amos or, or which prophet, but God says, because you guys have allowed the land to become soaked in blood mm-hmm. and 
done nothing, done nothing for justice, I am going to allow you to be soaked in blood and led into captivity. Okay. So I, God is going to enact enact justice because of the justice that has not been carried out. So there's there's maybe maybe some truth there. Yeah. Kind of like they didn't they didn't carry out the Sabbaths. That's that's they they weren't um, carrying out the year of jubilee. That's that's what led to the number of years they were in Babylon. It directly corresponded to the number of years that they had not allowed the land to rest after God gave it to them. So, how then should we live, right? With you know talking about this hypocrisy that. Um, we can pretty clearly point to uh, in in these past times, and maybe that hypocrisy stopped a little bit in the 1900s because people just rejected more more and more of the Bible or whatever. And now now we're kind of as you were saying before rip, reaping um, the fruit from that. Like so, so what do we do, Kyle? I was I was curious what you thought of his two re- actually before we get there I was curious what you thought of his two responses. Oh, you want to get back to this PDF? Okay. Yeah. All right. This article. I also didn't like that he said that we were as great as Rome in their unmatched glory because Rome was around for a thousand years and we are like at two well, like at th- yeah, 250. But in terms of the amount of landmass that we hold sway over through our financial system. Well, even just the continental United States is almost twice as large as Rome was at its at its biggest. So <laughs> maybe maybe he has a point. Uh I don't know that he well, yeah, whatever. Um we can we can argue about that a different a different time. That is probably just beside the the main point of this. It's a little beside the point. But that was just like a okay, so are you talking about his like two ways forward? Kind of at the at the back end, there have been two general responses: the vast cry for social justice, mm-hmm. which is a deliberate response to the dehumanizing of the masses by oppression, and then the second response being an effort to reclaim the state back to its original early form, kind of a constitutional Christianity. So, okay, so let's we'll start with the vast cry for social justice, which is probably where I am, or like at least closer. Much closer, and his. So I'll I'll actually read most of that paragraph because I think it'll be helpful. Yeah. There've generally been two responses to the beastly development of the state in our times. The first is the vast cry for social justice. That this cry for social justice has overtaken the masses should not be missed as a deliberate response to what Klein says is a dehumanizing of the masses by oppression can't take the dignity away from men and women as god made them destroy marriage that was designed as good for the benefit of humanity murder in the womb devalue human existence by making people a number and attempt to reset a society with paganism without consequences of cries from the masses over oppression yes oppression is everywhere and these are definitely reasons why do you think he's saying these are the reasons or he's saying these are some of the reasons. I think he's saying these are some of the reasons. Okay. I think he would have said the reasons if he meant these are the reasons why. These are all the reasons. I I I don't think in as as hyperbolic as he can get in this essay. Uh-huh. I don't think he's getting he's going quite that far with his hyperbole. That's probably good. I mean, I agree with that. I think uh of course when you know, I mean People stumble and they don't know why, right? And then they see all this pain around them and they don't understand it, but they know something's wrong. It's a lot easier to say something's wrong than to say what exactly is wrong. That's a and good point. You have, you have, yeah, it's just blind people, right? And and I think I see that true in myself as well. Like I look at I look at myself from five years ago and I was in more, I would say more pain than I'm in now. And I knew some of the reasons, but I didn't know all of them. Um, mm-hmm. And not that I know all of them now, like why, I, you know, looking back, but I can see a lot more clearly now than I could then. And I think so with with some of these things, like as we're talking about hypocrisy and we're talking about 
um you know these i like i want to focus in also or at least not forget that i have acted that way and there's probably still um places in my life that i'm a hypocrite where i say here's the standard and i expect other people to follow it but don't myself grace for me mer- or yeah mercy for me law for others like it's it's really easy to see your own motives and to judge other people by the results um but yeah i so as far as his like that first present response that makes sense to me probably because i'm in that kind of in that spot is that what do you think i i think he's he's making a helpful point there when he talks about why it is we we have this huge cry for social justice and 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 we like those on the more um let's say conservative side of the church need to be so careful that we don't miss this because if we miss this and just go why are people rioting in the streets and just assume that it's for purely uh selfish or political reasons and instead we realize the the decay in society that is leading to that response Mm -hmm. and seek to um as he puts it later in in the way forward uh, make known the person and work of christ who is the only solution to um oppression like he says my there's a reason he says my yoke is easy and my burden is light mm-hmm. um because he makes us there's great freedom in being made fully human by enjoying the way god has made us in his image i don't know if that quite made sense the way i said it well uh, i i had a little bit of a hard time relating the freedom that we have as humans and the the only solution to oppression is Jesus. Can you can you link that again for me? Yeah. Yeah, thanks for asking that cuz I felt like I was kind of skipping steps there. Um so when when we come in faith to Jesus and our identity is united to him, we're made alive, we're regenerate. Like sanctification is following God's law and God's law is, uh, and I'd love to do an episode on, or a few episodes on the way the, uh, the, the, la- the, the, the moral law, the 10 commandments, um, describe different elements of being human. The way that the 10 commandments commandments describe being human. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so as we follow God's law, through faith in Christ, we become more and more human because being human is demonstrating the fact that we are made in the image of God. Okay. So as we grow in being better reflectors of Christ, then we have more freedom in Christ. We're like, and free as, as people. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. We are free as sons and daughters of God. Yeah. I think I think in the Bible it says sons of God, right? Like we're we're uh-huh. co-heirs with Christ. And yes. from a you know, I I was listening to Tim Keller a little while back and um he uh, you know, he's he's from New York. He's a pastor in New York obviously or was. And he'd always kind of like it always kind of bothered him that it said sons. Um like just sons. It doesn't say sons and daughters. Uh-huh. And as you know, for in our Western sensibilities, we're like, well, you know, it meant sons and daughters, basically. And somebody from a um, traditional society basically said, like, no, it should say like that. I get to be a son of God. To mm. me, means that I am. I get to inherit, right? Whereas if I am a daughter of God, I don't. Like that, it didn't quite connect as much because the sons were who inherited. And were seen as being in Christ that way. Yeah, yeah. 
And so it was more, more clearly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it was like, oh, that's really a good point. Yeah. It was, it was just like a, Oh, okay. So, and, and when Tim Keller was talking about this, he was like, well, so when you read things in the Bible that bother your modern sensibilities, like continue to trust Jesus that he'll make known to you, like how it applies. (laughs) Like, and just, you know. Yeah. Well, thanks for making it known to the listeners of Socratic Hobbits. Yeah. Yeah. Who Uh, haven't already listened to Tim Keller. So he's pointing out how, how we will be oppressed and there will be an outcry for justice against that oppression. But unless we in the church um, proclaim Christ and the freedom that comes through Christ, people will just be stuck there. And he's specifically talking about the oppression, uh, kind of some of the things that we've talked about over the last 50 years. Well, even more than that. But I would say going back to the hypocrisy and including the post-Christian society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So his second, do you mind if we move on to the second general? Yeah. Unless you have anything else you want to. No, no. I feel like we've, I feel like we've talked about it. If I think of anything, I'll let you know though. Okay. Uh, okay. So the second general response is a radical effort to reclaim the state to its original early form before the cycle cycle of iniquity had reached this level of iniquity. Um, both of these responses, secular responses have been currently adopted by many Christians as ways to fix the problem of the state. So he doesn't actually go into what that means exactly. Um, he, right here for, for instance, the present shift in eschatology among believers as wicked rulers strike down basic morality is in the direction of a post-millennial theonomic and reconstructive effort to save the state. Can you pretend I'm like a fifth grader? So he, he kind of, Re, restates himself here because because the reconstructive effort includes postmillennial and theonomic, but it, I guess in this in this case it's mostly postmillennial and theonomic. So, uh, reconstructive the idea. When you say postmillennial, do you mean like post truth? Uh, no. Um, end times eschatology. Oh, eschatology. Oh, that's what eschatology means. Okay, okay. So the present shift in how we think about the end times. Right. It, as wicked rulers strike down basic morality, some of the things we just talked about, is the direction of a post-millennial. And, and theonomic effort to save the state. Application of God's law. And a view that we will see in, be, before Jesus returns, the, the world... When when it says in the prophets that the oh is this the world will be as full as the knowledge and glory or the world will be as full of the knowledge and glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's not referring to after Jesus comes. That's referring to before Jesus comes because the gospel will have worked its way through the whole loaf. So he's saying that one response is this cry for social justice, which we've already talked about. Right. And then the second response of believers. So one response is to join the cry for social justice. And then the other is to try to revert the state to a previous less wicked place. Right. And and based on the principles that eventually um, there will be that the gospel will change hearts and minds um, broadly as a high percentage of the world population. And that will enable the application of God's law to civil government um, broadly across nations. And that we should start pushing towards that um, through how we vote and act in politics today. Wouldn't that be nice? If governments were just, there were just Christian governments and everybody, you know, and it wasn't just like, you know, not like the Pope or something, but, or not, not like how things were in the, you know, with the Catholic church ruling and, you know, all, all of that nastiness. Well, and some of these people would say that that actually is a far better situation than we have today. Yeah. Those people are wrong. <laughs> like a really wrong 
I don't necessarily disagree with you. I'd like to hear you expand on your point, though. <laughs> okay. So, so back before people had the Bible, uh, and really before the Gutenberg Press, and you had you had you had access to Jesus through. I mean, it was just through a pinhole of really, really like it was just the smallest amount could get through in a. I mean, can you imagine if you weren't able to read your Bible? Can you imagine if you weren't able to? You know, we've, yeah, you just, you, you don't have, things are messier now, that's for sure. Like, or maybe they're not, I don't know. Like with. I, I think things are definitely, and, and I think that's that's where people would land is, is people who like things to be very neat and tidy and orderly, like how neat and tidy and orderly everything was. You you went to church, the church was your way to heaven, and no one fell afoul, went afoul of the church in general, be, by and large, because you didn't want to jeopardize your chance of heavenly glory. Whereas now the... But that's no gospel, right? Right. I mean, the reason that things are better now is because we have the gospel. Like before, like there wasn't the gospel in the Catholic Church. I think there was in places. I, I think we as Protestants need to be somewhat careful about... Um, forgetting the fact that Luther thought that the Catholic Church could be reformed as late as the 1520s. You're right. I probably judged too hard there. Mm. I hate it when I do that. Um, yeah, I guess... Huh. Huh. I'm wrong. And I just have to change that thought now. Well, but I think... You, I mean, you have really good points that, like, at that time, people... Your common person did not have access to Scripture, now that was really terrible in the sense that you relied on your local priest to teach you about the gospel which if you had a bad priest which a lot of people did that was horrendous mm -hmm. but in places where you had good priests who were followers of Christ the the likelihood of someone going off with their um, conspiratorial Bible radio station or Facebook page or podcast was zero <laughs> or podcast was, was zero. Like the, there wasn't an opportunity for that sort of, for someone who was bent that way to find those groups and veer off out of community and out of fellowship with their local body of believers into something into into heresy that's true that lack of opportunity was actually a blessing i mean you you mentioned that being able to vote is is can can feel like a blessing and sometimes and other times it doesn't and <laughs> and so I, I think there was there's something similar you could say something similar about that situation I would prefer being able to vote and being able to read scripture for myself, but I can also see ways in which it wasn't a hundred percent bad then and a hundred percent good now. Yeah. Gosh, now I have to, it's like, well, so, okay. So Daniel, if you're going to take what you said further, uh, people weren't Christian before Protestantism is <laughs> kind of like, the, <laughs> okay, well, that's not true. It's like, well, Augustine was obviously a Christian, uh, and then there weren't any Christians in between, like, no, that's not right either. And so it's like, oh, I gotta think. Uh. I mean, just to be clear, the, the Roman Catholic Church is a heretical institution. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you see the, well, I don't know. The don't French know. thing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that gets back to if you have a really bad priest. Yeah. Like, your view of God is all sorts of messed up. For the people in the flocks. Of, right. Yeah. And, I mean, I will say is, is, like, I knew two Catholics growing up. And one of them I'm still very good friends with. And there was no, the conversations that we had growing up, I had no doubt that they were Christian. Uh I had another Catholic friend where it was like they were just that was a thing they did. 
And that was about it. Yeah, I think the confusing thing can sometimes be because of the social implications of being Catholic Mm -hmm. and the ability to be a nominal Catholic. Whereas if if you have a friend like that growing up in, in a Protestant church, they're probably just going to stop going to church, stop identifying as a Christian. But maybe not. Yeah, I mean, so that's the thing is that like in certain places, I mean, especially, um, I don't know, we could talk more about this offline, but I, I think I'm starting to realize that it's really possible to do that as a Protestant as well. Um, just from, I don't know, we can talk about it offline. I, I think it's possible to do that as a Protestant. I think it's more likely, if if someone's a Protestant, they're more likely to just totally walk away than someone who's a Catholic. I think you're probably right. Like, I don't think like there definitely are people who stay in the church, but have no fruit in, in Protestant churches. Um, but I think at least with our generation, it's in in particular, you've got the whole exvangelical movement. I heard that on a different podcast recently. Exvangelical. Is that somebody who was evangelical and isn't anymore? Is that all that yes. means? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Why do we have to come up with a new word for that? Because language is powerful. Why can't we just call them apostate? Because that sounds hateful. Oh, okay. Sorry. I would call them apostate. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle is not sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was really I was listening to... Have you? Do you listen to podcasts, Kyle? Not as much as I used to. You know what? Can I get can I give you some advice to listen to more podcasts? Move about 45 minutes away from your work. <laughs> See, actually someone was just asking me about we were, I was just talking to some people about listening to podcasts and stuff. I was like, "Yeah, I don't listen to podcasts so much." And they they were saying, "Well, what do you do on your commute to work?" I said, "Well, it's only 15 minutes. So it's just enough time to either pray or think through some some problem I'm trying to solve at either work or 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 home. Yeah. And they kind of went, "Well, those don't sound like bad things to do." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I uh I don't know. I probably do listen to too much. I probably need to give myself my brain a little more time to think, if I'm honest. Um I think one of the one of the questions that I wrote down for today was what should be our like consumption versus creation kind of like what's a what's a ratio yes but we're talking about this instead we can talk about that another time we should definitely talk about that i actually wrote a uh i was feeling really lazy one one night and so i i was just scrolling i think i was probably scrolling through facebook on my phone and so i stopped doing that and oh wow i can't believe i can't believe that does not sound like the kyle i know and and so i got off of that and just uh, wrote out a whole thing on the little note, mm-hmm. note app, note app on on my iPhone about consumption versus production. Well, if you would like to put that on our blog, it's available for you to post on. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so the last we'll we'll talk about the three, or at least I'll mention them, the three ways forward as Christians. Yeah. That that uh, I'm gonna scroll back up, Chris. Gordon, Gordon talks about, I got it. See, that's Pastor my re- Chris. Pastor Chris. We are not Jesus, right? So this is the way forward. We're not Jesus. And it's only Jesus that can deliver us from, in his appointed time, from all evil or in God's appointed time. Uh, we are called to prayer and repentance. Christians needs more than ever in these times to cry out in repentance and faith to Christ for help. And the mission of the church is to make known the person and work of Christ, right? And I uh, was not having any warm and fuzzies about Pastor Chris until I got to this part. And I was like, (laughs) okay, maybe I don't like some of the, you know, I don't like his, I think we talked about in the hyperbole. uh, Yeah, hyperbole, perhaps hyperbole, perhaps just his view on things, perhaps, you know, just his the tone that he takes in general or whatever. But it's like, I a hundred percent believe these things. 
And in order to be more like Jesus, we need to know and do these things. Amen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know if there's any, any more that you want to talk about related to, to these, but that was those were my thoughts uh, mostly. No, I was, I was kind of alluding to number three when I was talking about mm-hmm. um, the social justice side of things. Yeah. And and really the the theonomy side of things too, because theonomy is not focusing on the person and work of Christ as much as it is focusing on this is what America used to be like, and we need to reconstruct that. Yeah, and i i see um, I see people who are super patriotic and having that kind of point of view, and I'm just like, when was it? When were we more like Christ as a nation? Mm-hmm. And the answer is like we we weren't, you know. And I I think in some ways things were better, but for on the surface of, we were. I think on the surface we were. Yeah, I think that's the that's the issue which we were talking about earlier on is there was hip, there was a hypocrite hypocritical spirit, um, that gets back to number two. We are called to faith and repentance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely we are. Um. Cool. Well, thanks for chatting. I really appreciate this lively discussion. I thought this would be a good... Good one back? Oh, I, I was thinking a, a good essay or blog post or whatever it is. Just sure talk through. Because it, it was not something I entirely agreed with, especially as you pointed out, his his tone um, could be... Like, I, I like to call it hyper hyperbolic but um there are probably other words we could use for it as well yeah but i i i couldn't fault him like you were saying for how he ended (laughs) it was just (laughs) really really made it made it a good one at the end there yeah but i did i did find it helpful um the the categories he he put out there and then pointing out that they were two sides of the same coin we didn't talk about that as much. No, we didn't. But I think he has a really helpful point there that they're they're both cultural efforts to stop the flood of injustice. Um, they're both using uh, the weapons of this world to fight the problems of this world instead of using um, instead of turning to Christ and promoting. I don't know that I would have got that unless you had just said it right now. Gotten what? From it. Understood that taking a second look at the, um, that sent that first sentence in that, that paragraph under where he talks about the second general response, two sides of the same coin. I just kind of, I think I glossed over it, but I think you're right. I think that is a helpful heuristic. That's a word I've been using and thinking recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a, just a, kind of lens to look through things and um yeah am i focusing on worldly things or am i focusing on eternal things yeah well it's like and if you're you know you can see these people who are kind of pointing you know the social justice people pointing at the patriots who and the patriots pointing at the social justice people and it's like oh you guys are the reason you're so mad at each other is because you're, you both want the gun to, well, that's probably not the best metaphor there, but you know, you both want, you both want the stick to hit the, with the other person, like to hit the other person with. Fighting fire with fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just, I'm not one for metaphors today. You're trying to, you were trying to come up with your own metaphor and I just, I just cheated and you did. used a old or chestnut. The idea of them hitting hitting each other with sticks—that's I think that's fine. You could say fighting fire with fire. It's good and good and primitive. Yeah, like sticks, rocks, sticks, rocks. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say thanks again, and um, yeah. Hey guys, Daniel again. Just wanted to say thanks for listening. Also, thank you to Explore for the music. 
I'm not really sure if ratings on iTunes or other podcast services helps. You could try that if you enjoyed it or uh, sharing it with a friend, someone who you think might uh, enjoy it as well. And if you didn't, you can go ahead and drop us a line. We've got contact info in the show notes. You can also support us uh, like a dollar a show. Thanks. We'll uh, talk to you guys soon.